This talk is offered by Ordinary Mind Zendo. Ordinary Mind was founded by Barry Majid, Dharma heir of Charlotte Joko Beck, and is dedicated to her vision of a psychologically-minded Zen practice adapted to the needs of American students practicing in the context of their everyday lives. Our public programs are made possible by donations from people like you. When I, a student of the way, look at the real form of the universe, all is the never-failing manifestation of the mysterious truth of the awakened life. In any event, in any moment, and in any place, none can be other than the marvelous revelation of its glorious light. These are the opening lines of the Bodhisattva's vow. Although, in a sense, vow is a funny word to describe this verse because it's not so much an expression of something, an expression of intention or of commitment as it is an expression of a particular perspective, a way of seeing things. When I look at the real form of the universe, all is the never-failing manifestation of the mysterious truth. It's simply how it immediately appears to me, from this enlightened perspective, Now, one might say that Joko's way of practicing was to watch moment after moment how we don't believe a word of this. How every event, in every moment, in every place, we find ourselves making some judgment, making some criticism, making some act of approval or disapproval, some form of separation from which we stand outside the moment and pass our judgment on it. And that judgment for her, always comes back to an emotional reaction of anger, anxiety. We watch the tension that arises in ourselves as we reject this moment. Every moment that comes up to us we somehow find a way to reject it is not quite it, right? Rather than being the never-failing manifestation, we really tend to see things as the always-failing manifestation of the way things really should be, right? (laughs) 
Now the Bodhisattva's vow goes on to try to spell out all the ways this perspective would manifest itself. Who could be ungrateful or not respectful, even to senseless things, not to speak of human beings? Well, most of us can be ungrateful and not respectful, especially to senseless things of our environment and uh, over and over again to human beings. It continues, it tries to take this perspective to its limit and say that even if we encounter someone who is our sworn enemy, who abuses and persecutes us, we should bow down with humble language, the reverent understanding that they are merciful messengers of the awakened one. What is the message, right? Again, it's this message of non-separation that we're that from this perspective where we ask if we can apply even to the situation and the people who are in that moment most opposite to us, who, who hate us and revile us, right? And who we naturally are inclined to respond to in kind with anger or defensiveness, some kind of not-me reaction. Now, Joko basically said that moment after moment, if we simply practice with our actual, honest reaction to each moment, our anger, our tension, our anxiety, if we fully own that, that itself is the absolute. That is the one kind of true acceptance that we're capable of. We can at least start with the reality of our own anger, of our rejection of this moment. We can fully own and occupy that at least. And I think that in general, it's a mistake to imagine that something like this which gets called a vow, or more generally what we study in the precepts, can ever be really uh, prescriptive for us, something that we try to do. Now in the case of the precepts, They are a version that comes down to us of the the vinyana, the the original monastic rules for the community of monks who are living a life of non-possession and homelessness and rootlessness. And these rules were meant to set up a life that would manifest non-clinging, non-attachment. And so in that sense, there was a community of rules and you could have vowed to obey them, right? 
But our practice really isn't like that. And our relation to vows and precepts isn't like that. On one hand, we can use precepts the way we look at uh, this Bodhisattva's vow. That we can look at each one of them as an example of a place in which we are inclined to make some separation, make some rejection of the way things are. Whether we put it in terms of killing or stealing, pushing away or grasping, misusing sex or drugs, elevating ourselves and putting down others. All of these things we could say are reminders in Joko's sense to watch how we're rejecting this moment just as it is. That makes for a very sound and grounded way of personal practice. However, for most of us, I think, it doesn't make clear how that reaches out ethically into behavior without becoming a bunch of uh, do's and don'ts. I'm grateful for to Lucas for continuing to send through the listserv pictures of Occupy Wall Street demonstrations because it keeps, for me, in mind the question of how do we feel like our practice or these precepts respond to immediate social, ethical issues like the ones that are being raised down there. And I appreciate also the way uh, Anne has helped uh, serve as a kind of all-purpose gadfly and helping me think about the role of precepts and the way Claire has uh, served to try to, as she always does, be the one to try to hold all of the different voices together at once. And it really got me thinking in terms of what do I want a precepts class to be? How do I want the way we practice here to reflect what's going out in the world? And not just at the level of internal psychologizing of our our practice. And so what I've come up with, uh, somewhat tentatively, I think it's a wonderful idea, but I'm going to put it out and we'll see how it it goes. Um, I I would like to um, begin to uh, think of the precept study and a rewriting of the uh, Jukai ceremony uh, to get away from the language of, of vows or 
uh, I, in the Aiken Roshi, I take up the way of non-killing. Uh, I think the way that we actually practice uh, with something like Occupy Wall Street is through a practice of bearing witness. And I think that what we do down there, uh, what they're doing is bearing witness to inequality. Uh, You hear a lot of uh, curmudgeonly commentators saying, uh, well, they don't have any proposals. What are their demands? What do they say they ought to do? That's not their function. And it's not the function particularly of a Buddhist group to involve itself there to say how we would want to reorganize or restructure capitalism. What we can do is go down there and simply bear witness to inequality. To say, we see this and we feel the pain of it. And I think it's what... uh, Groups like the Buddhist Peace Fellowship do when they hold vigils at San Quentin or whether there's going to be an execution. They go there simply to bear witness. They, bear, they go to bear witness to killing. When we go to an anti-war demonstration, we're there to bear witness to the harm that people do to one another. Not that we've got a program that we want to enlist everyone in. We're not trying to go down there and say, now if you all acted like monks like us, you wouldn't have this problem, right? We're not really in a position to do that. But we are in a position of compassion to suffer with, to feel with the pain of others, and to bear witness to it. So I would hope that um, the precepts class in particular, uh, and I'll work with Claire in terms of the Jukai ceremony uh, for next summer for the people in that, but I hope as a group together we can think through uh, something about shifting the way we think of precepts from this level of vow to a uh, form of bearing witness. And that bearing witness is, uh, again, would be internal as well as external. It would compass something of the way Joko would look at Bodhisattva's vow. Because when I bear witness to killing, I bear witness to my own uh, desire to kill, my own desire for revenge, my own anger my own desire to eliminate what I don't want in this world. And I bear witness to stealing. I bear witness to my own greed. I bear witness to the fact that I live very well in the midst of a capitalist system that makes other people live very badly. I try to own my own participation in a system that produces this inequality. I think what's very important is that we don't take a, um, a self-righteous us-versus-them attitude towards things like, uh, like that. Uh, as Pogo uh, 
said in the old days, uh, we have met the enemy and he is us. Uh, We have to always own our own participation in the system that produces all the terrible things that we bear witness to. We share the responsibility for them. So I hope this will uh, serve as a uh, beginning for us to uh, think about our participation in something like Occupy Wall Street, to think about how, as Buddhists, we respond to events like that, and also to help us, as lay practitioners, not following a way of monastic vows, reformulate our sense of precepts uh, in what I think uh, is now is a practice of bearing witness to make it more relevant to the lives we're actually leading. <laughs>